when we began the first podcast, yep. obviously I didn't quite anticipate how well it would go. It, it went really well. And I'm so glad that we're doing a part two because of two reasons. Firstly, obviously people loved the first one. But secondly, I feel like we left things a bit incomplete yep. in the sense that we left it at arguably quite a pivotal moment, I think, for you in the sense that it was 2019. We we're going into lockdown. Mm -hmm. And of course, you were leaving or ending Genuine Solutions. Correct. Talk us through the journey from that and obviously going to lockdown. What was sort of what, what, what was going on? Let me tell you how it actually started. So ending or stopping or finishing Genuine Solutions wasn't planned at the time it was planned. And I go back. So, you know, me and my partner were partners since 2006. We went through good bits, bad bits. You know, you, as you can imagine, it's a startup business. You, 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 you're developing. Mm -hmm. And we were also establishing our own strengths and weaknesses within this relationship. It's a yin and a yang. Um, I think 2017, around 2017, the relationship started breaking down. What I thought and what I felt the direction of the business could and should be was different to what he wanted to do. And there was, an, you know, an undoubted a change of vision. There was there was a disparity before we were on a mission to do what we were doing and now we'd achieved a lot we bought our building we won the queen's award we've done we've done lots of amazing things and i think 2017 the sort of direction changed um his vision changed my vision changed and i think we became a bit we weren't on the same page all the time most of the time but not all the time and it caused a bit of friction i think the most telling tale for me was in 2018 and a lot of people don't know what happened but in 2018, um, I've got two boys at home, and uh, it was in the summer. Um, they were still in school, but they had activities week. So my wife says, look, the boys are going away for a week. We've got a week on our own. I thought, this is amazing. Like, listen, this doesn't happen. You know, there were two young it's boys. It's really rare, yeah. You know, it's yeah. very rare, and they're going away with the school, yeah. both on the same week. I thought, it's fantastic, <laughs> great, you know. Yeah. This is great, I'm gonna spend some chill time. You know, yeah. I'm still working, but it's nice to not have the kids for a little while. That was in 2018, and um, what happened was, on that Saturday, I went out. So it's a friend's 40th birthday party at a, a golf club, we went out. And I won't say it was a boozy event. So I had three, four pints of, and I was drinking Guinness at the time. And I, you know, nothing wasn't crazy going out like I've been going yeah. out, right? Sunday morning, I was like, don't feel too good. You know, stomach's not all in, in the right place. You know, it doesn't feel right. And I thought, listen, you've had, you know, three or four pints. It might be yeah. something like that. You know, yeah. listen, just run with it. And I felt like no better way of explaining it than constipated. Monday morning came and, and I was in a bit of discomfort, but I went to work. Uh, I thought nothing of it. I thought, listen, it's just probably you've eaten something dodgy or you've had a few pints, but, you know, maybe it wasn't, they weren't great pints. Maybe it's something just off. Yeah. And I thought nothing of it. And, it, and I had this pain in my stomach. I was like, oh, this, is, this is like stomachache. You know, come on, get a grip and get it on. And it got progressively worse. On Monday night, I'm in a bit of agony. So I was like, listen, this is not right. I'm really not, this is like, real painful. In the middle of the night, I'm up, I'm downstairs in my gym, walking and jogging, trying to think that if it's like constipation or it's a bit of a pain, I can run it off, loosen my body and it, I'll be fine. No, no, on Monday night, I'm up all night and I, uh, whatever I did, didn't work. You know, usual Gaviscon, take this tablet, take that Windy's, I've done it all, done the whole thing. Tuesday morning, I'm in agony. Like first thing I've woken up, I'm in absolute pain. I've gone downstairs and I said, Luke, this is not right. Something's not great. And I feel horrible now. Now it's really like not feel. 
And she called the doctor and the doctor came round and he's doing the usual prodding and thinking whatever. And uh, he goes, look, I want to refer you straight away. Go to uh, the hospital. There's another hospital. He said, go there, uh, see my specialist. He's a stomach whatever specialist and he will sort it out. It, it could be your appendix. You know, it's not, we don't know what it is, but just go and get it referred. And I'm now keeling over. And I'm wow. like, this is really painful. But I'm still coherent, I'm still talking, and I'm like, yeah. this is, like, like, someone's really giving you a good sucker punch, right? I've got there, and he's gone, look, you know, this doesn't feel like the appendix. So we've literally, this is at nine, eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning, my doctor's at my house. Uh, I'm in the car, I'm in the front seat for the first, best part of it, and lose driving, and we drove there, and I've been seen straight away, and he's gone, look, this doesn't feel right. Actually, this doesn't feel right at all. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get you admitted. Straight away. Oh wow! Okay. So I'm like, this is this is is this a bit too far? Is this not like you know this is a bit of constant? You know, no, no, this is this is not right. And now at this point, I'm like really in agony, and I'm like, Jesus Christ! We're at um, Gillette Corner in Isleworth. That's where the clinic was. That's where the hospital was. And he went, what I want you to do is go straight down the A4 and get yourself at the Cromwell. They'll be waiting for you, um, and you're going to get checked in straight away. We want to check this out because this, right. if it if it is your appendix. Or whatever it is, it could be, you need to get onto it straight away. I'm in the car and I've had to be in the back. I'm cute. I'm in agony. Oh, I'm man. like this. I'm in the back seat. I'm like this. Had you ever been in that pain before? Like, Never. Right. And I'm like, I'm in absolute agony. So we've got there, Lou's got there and literally gone into reception and it's a busy hospital and I'm checked in, literally in and done. And within space of hours, I've got consultants, they're going, we're checking, they've done the scans, they've done x-rays, they've done an MRI, they've done a CAT scan. They're like, we don't know what it is. Still? Don't know what it is. Were you still in pain? You were still? I'm in absolute agony. So they, they've given me an IV, they've given me drugs, um, they've given me, uh, you know, um, everything that they think they could give me to sort of ease off the pain. Now, I've not been to the loo, full stop. Number one, number two, nothing. nothing uh, nothing's moving. So now they're concerned. They're saying, look, you're not even going for it. We're fluid, we're fluiding you up. You know, you're, you're, taking on saline, the whole lot. You're not, this is a problem for us. For the next 12 hours, they're all, I'm in an R-ring and they're saying we were discussing it internally and we, we, we might need to do exploratory surgery. And I'm like, horrific. I'm like, I'm in agony now. Now I'm, yeah. I'm in absolute pain. Wednesday morning, they're talking about open me up and see what's going on because they don't know what it is. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And they're drugging me like heavy. Thursday, I'm seeing the light. I can feel a bit better. So right. uh, e things are easing off and they're obviously giving me some serious amount of drugs, blah, blah, blah. Your kids, had they, they were still on that They're still on trip. our trip. So Lou's, yeah, my, yeah. Lou, my, me, my, you know, me and Lou's ideas, she's now- This dream week. She's now <laughs> rubbing back and forth to the yeah, hospital, yeah, yeah, worried yeah. as hell. There's a sign on the door because they thought it was an infection. So oh, wow. no one could come. No one could visit, oh, it was man. just her. Um, so it was a big sign on certain infectious, uh, yeah, yeah. do not enter, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they're drugging me heavy to, you know, the antibiotics and the drugs to whatever infection it is or whatever it is, they're trying to kill it. They have the, an infection rate. So when they took my blood and they, they monitored the infection rate in my blood and the way they, however the doctors do it, they said, you, you came in and it went, Bosh, you were, you know, real. So it, it was an infection. It was, it was an infection. It was an infection. And then very quickly within 48 hours i started recovering very well i was like listen i'm so much better so <laughs> so much better and they, they they literally pumped me with everything and then i think it was probably wednesday where i'd, I'd lost it i'd said i've had enough 
the pain was that bad, I could have just given up. What do you mean by giving up? I just, I, anything to get rid of it. I was like, listen, this is enough. And it was that much, it was that knotted pain in your gut that I was like, listen, I can't do it. I was in tears. I was absolutely in bits. Absolutely in bits. I got out of it Thursday, Friday. Consultants were very happy with the progress, had another MRI, cats, cat. they'd done the whole lot again. Yep, it definitely was an infection. And then I said, look, I want to go home because I can't, I, I'm, I'm staring, I'm going mad. I'm physically going mad. I don't want to, I don't want to be here. My infection rate had dropped. It was absolutely, on, you know, absolutely fine. And they said, look, we don't recommend it, but we see you're getting better and you are better. This is on Friday. We'll assess it on Saturday. So on Saturday, the nurse comes in and I always remember this nurse. This nurse looked after me all the way through. She said to me, you're so lucky. So what do you mean I'm so lucky? She goes, because I know I'm lucky because I'm being here and it's it's great, you know, uh, great health care and it was great. And she went, yeah, no, you were lucky. She goes, but the consultant will explain to you what happened. The consultant comes in and goes, right, you had sepsis. What? Yeah, you had sepsis. Obviously, we were very concerned. We have it. We were very concerned what you were doing, and the infection had got you were you were you were in trouble because if you didn't come in when you did and you'd left it another ten to twelve hours, you wouldn't be here. What was your immediate thought when you'd heard that? I, I mean, I realised I thought it was bad, but I didn't realise it was that bad. So they said, "Look, you'd be, you would not be here if it was it was within that twelve hour window." My so now, word. So I'm sitting there going, "Well, listen, I know it was bad," and then on Wednesday I was like, "Please stop." You know when you get to that point, where, please stop. I'll do what. What do I need to do to make this pain stop? And he goes, "Yeah, so it, 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 you were infected in a big way." Now, obviously the doctors and everyone spoke to Lou about it, but they didn't want to alarm me while I'm in the bed. So it's they were very, very good at what they did. They got it under control, and and, and here I am to tell the tale. And why am I saying this is because a, a lot of people didn't know, I was in hospital. A handful of people knew, i.e. my my parents, and that's it, and my sister. Then, as I came out on Saturday, I mean, listen, I've lost a load of weight. We all go through those life moments where you know you need to change your life and this is your second chance and all mm -hmm. the rest of it. But then you take it for granted, right? Life, you know. Yeah, over time, you kind of then just forget about it and move on. It's just, yeah. So I was at that close. But I, I remember, and the, and the reason why I say this is because this is the, the breakdown in mine and my partner's relationship. Because my partner turned around and goes, whatever you do, do not tell the staff or anyone in the business that you were sick. Why? Because he didn't want to know. He didn't want anyone to know. What then transpires afterwards, and when I started learning about this and then the whole breakdown of it, was, is because I never knew what a narcissist was. I never knew the traits. I never knew manipulation. And I didn't realize the situation I was in until I realized the situation I was in. Right, okay. I, I know exactly what you mean, yeah. So yeah. that changed everything for me. Had, had anyone ever told you this is what a narcissist does? No. You, 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 were just, you were just confronted with it because, because, because you don't know I what... Yeah. I was in the mix. Yeah. Me as an individual, as a person, had changed without knowing that I've changed. You know, I was a different person. In what way like, had you changed? I treated people differently. Not always for the right reasons in the right way. Because I thought that was the right thing to do. Right. Not always the right. right way, but I wasn't myself. And after years of being in that environment, and it's not a great environment at the best of times, and there was good times and bad times, but, you know, uh, it, it changed the way I thought. So, you know, I'm like, why should I not tell people that I've just been in hospital? What's it got to do with you? Because it was the whole control thing and everything mm -hmm. else that I learned afterwards. So fast forward, so we've had a turbulent couple of years, and, and, and I think in my mind I'm... I'm 
mentally, physically, I'm done like this situation. What, what does that do to you mentally? I mean, in, in terms of going through those last few years? Very difficult. What happened was on October the 9th at 3.30, I was in my office. That's quite precise. <laughs> and I remember it. Yeah. I will always remember this. And I was with someone. And my business partner walks in and he said, uh, you know, you knew when he had a bee in his bonnet. It's just the face and the look. And uh, he says, oh, we need to talk. I said, all right, we need to talk. And the next thing you know, he said, we can't do this anymore. You've got to go. I know for a fact that the story he's told people has been one or another. And I've never said nothing or corrected anyone. But at that point, at 3.30, on that day, on that Wednesday, he said to me, it's either you've got to go. I've had enough. I can't work with you. Because in the building, there would only be me that would ever argue back or have another opinion. Right. Like you have to listen to we're partners yeah and he didn't like that normally i would have gone what's the matter who's rattled your cage let's go downstairs have a coffee and have a chat right me suppressing and pacifying the situation i went are you sure he went yep yeah, we're done you gotta go i went are you sure yep so i walked back into the into my office put my stuff in my bag and walked out now on the thursday and friday i was due to be off any one holiday because it's my wedding anniversary. I remember calling my wife on the way home. I said, look, it's over. It's done. I can't do it anymore. A couple of days, we had, I'd have been event, we had a wedding anniversary. Everyone in the building was expecting me to be away. So everything was cool. Now you've got to bear in mind, 100 plus staff, your emails are going off, your phone's going off. You're on. You're like this all the time. Come Monday, I'm not there. What was going through your mind over that weekend? Did I throw the baby out with the bathwater? Bear in mind, the business was supposed to be built to sell. Did I just drop the clangor and go did i should i just kept my mouth shut and go but then i thought no i've done, i've had enough my soul you know i've sold my soul for a price but there's a price i'm done i want a refund what was that price time with my family time with myself me as a human there's things that i would have done or not done in a different way i made sacrifices sacrifices of time you can't get back you know when i when we were going on holiday as a family i'd pick certain flights and certain days because i didn't want to be missing up with work the journey was huge. It was very successful, but it took blood, sweat and tears. Would you go so far as to have any regrets? A lot. I should have, you know, you, can, you can't go back and say, well, you should have woke up and smelt the coffee a bit earlier and you could have done what you... Yes and yes and yes, but you can't. But what I did do is at the point I made that, once that decision was made for... A lot of people thought, why did you just leave? I just didn't leave. I didn't just walk out and go, 3.30 on Wednesday, Alison, I'm off, see you later, I'm, I'm, I'm out. It was... It was the culmination. It was it? A com yeah. yeah, absolutely. So come Monday, the whole conversation now starts now. He's expecting me to come back to work. I went, no, 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 no. He was actually expecting to come back? Yeah. Despite, wow. Asking me to leave. Now I know... Had he ever done that before? Threatened it a couple of times, you know, you should go. If you don't want to be here, you go and whatever. This was lying in the sand situation. Now, that's October 19 and lockdown happened in March 20. Those six months for me was emotionally and mentally absolutely crazy. Because in what way? Massive adjustment. Listen, I've been in the industry for years. I've been in telecoms for absolutely years since I was 16. This is, this is a whole new way now. I'm at home, there was no lockdown there. So now what am I doing? I'm spending time with the people I should have spent time with. I'm making up. I'm seeing friends, I've traveled, I've spent more time with my family. And now I'm learning to be who I am as an individual and being the person I should be. 
and that was that was the mental and physical change that I had to go through. What was your mindset when you were building the business and how was that different to your, I mean, we'll go into the now and yeah. later on, but just how has your mindset changed from back then, being an entrepreneur, yeah. being in business, to how you approach work and business now? Totally different. It's a different way of thinking. It's not the OK Corral. It's, it is not a dictatorial situation. It's a collaborative situation. I found that since I've left, that more and more and constantly more people have approached me to do different things because they see me for who I am and what I am today rather than what I was then. My partner never liked me doing social media. He never liked me getting involved. He never liked me having the limelight. He never liked me doing certain things. And then when you come out and you start doing what you want to do, it's a whole new different ballgame. Organisationally, what does a dictatorial, narcissistic-driven culture, how does that affect an organisation, having been through that sort of place? It's a do as I say, not do as I do. I mean, you know, it's trying to run the business like a Roman Empire. It just doesn't work. And the more you try and enforce that, uh, the more you you alienate people. We had so many pe good people leave because they didn't want to be in that environment. And why would they? And more often than not, I would be putting out fires that certain people set and trying to pacify a lot of people and try and give them a cuddle and calm them down and, and, and try and get the most out of them and try and work with them. Did you ever go through a phase of thinking, it's my fault? Yes. I have to accept some responsibility. I'm a grown-ass man. I have to take some responsibility. Yeah, yeah. But does it didn't make it easier. So six months, you're up. You're you're home now. I'm guessing you're not working. I've I've got various investments in other businesses, mm -hmm. which I then started quickly, you know, making, and I had, and and I did. It was hard to adjust from being in that environment to now. Totally. Listen, you, you know, you have a routine. You've been doing this since 2006. This is like 13, 14 years of getting up at X, doing this, going gym, d d d office, blah, blah, eat, the whole thing. You go from doing 300 emails a day to doing two. You go from yeah. your phone not stopping ringing and you having to charge it six times a day to like, listen, I'm my phone's not, no. Yes, your phone's ringing, but it's not like work. What about in terms of how you thought and how you approached things, how you thought about things? My whole mind was screwed. My mind, I was absolutely all over the place. In what way? When you've been in that environment, when you're doing what you're doing, you don't appreciate the situation you're in until you're out. Let's say, for example, you live on a pig farm. You become immune to that smell. Yeah. Right? But if someone comes in, you go, oh, Jesus Christ, what's going on? But when you live there, you don't smell it. That's all you know, yeah. You don't, it's because you don't know. And it's only when I started yeah. stepping back and started breathing and started looking and, and then that's like, oh, wow. This is the whole situation. Talk us through readjustment, or I mean, you mentioned before you kind of figured out who you were as a person, who yep. your trooper. Just talk us through that kind of process. I had some good friends, some really good friends, and they supported me. I have this thing that you don't become shit overnight. You know, you, you I adjusted, I adjusted what I thought, I reevaluated what was important. More importantly, what I did is I reevaluated who was important in my life. Now imagine this. You've got 100 people in your building. You're a co-owner of a business and you've helped some people in more than others in many forms or fashion. Whether it may be just employment, whether I've helped you buy your house, whether I've given you bonuses, whether I've supported you, whether I've been considerate when you needed to have time off, 
I've, I've had, I had people in there that had worked for me for more than the period of time. Imagine any, out of the 100 people, how many people do you think that actually reached out to me and go, Bav, you all right? I mean, obviously I can imagine yeah. there's a bit of, I've got my job and he's, my partner's still there and I've got a bit. How many people do you think? Having been through working with you and being given all those benefits and that kind of attention, yeah. I mean, you know, a significant number I thought would, would, would reach out and show some level of gratitude. And, You'd assume and, so, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, handful. Really? Because I remember when we had when we had the first podcast, yeah. you were talking about, and I'll, I'll never forget this, you said to me that when it comes to motivating people, I think you were told, don't give cash, yeah. right? Give them stuff which they will actually really TV show off and stuff, right? And yeah. when you were talking about it, it was quite clear that there was a real ethos of, you know, rewarding staff and, and giving them credit where it's due. But it sounds like that was in the backdrop or in the context of quite a hostile yeah. environment. But yeah, but human behaviour, it'd be, listen, here's a text and whatever and whatever. You know your value when you're not a value. <laughs> that's true, actually, yeah. Yeah, that's that a very the, good that, point. That is the truth. It's a very good point, yeah. You know yeah. your value when you have no value. You know, I know people say, well, you're, you, know, you work out your worth, but you do, you really do work out your worth. I think we have, a, I think we, we come across work environments where it's so transactional. It's like, you do this and then I'll do this. Yeah. Whereas opposed to we're kind of forgotten about the common human human goodness of just reaching out to people if, even when they're going through a bad time, you know. And the thing is, you know who your friends are very quickly. What's your biggest regret when you reflect back on that period of time? My biggest regret would probably be suffering for that long. Right. When I say suffering, there was good bits and there's bad bits. I get that. But should have left porn should have come out a lot sooner. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously you went through a period of readjustment. Yep. Talk us through uh, what, what then happened in terms of... Uh... So the readjustment happened and so the first six months I'm travelling, uh, I'm going to see friends, I'm, I'm all over the place, I went to the Grand Prix. Were you happier? Yeah, I was I, not happy, not fully getting there. I'm adjusting. I don't know what, 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 I didn't want to feel guilty. I'm not saying it's like prison, but you are a regimented routine. What was the hardest bit, I was going to say, what was the hardest bit of, of that time, having of that point in time? Having the ability to do anything. I could drop my kids to school, I never did that. I could spend, I could have my, I used to have dinners, and we still do have dinners at home, never yeah. did that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm spending time with my kids. I would, I'd leave before they were up and I'd be home after they'd finished. Listen, when you get home and your kids are kids, they, they, they want to do their own thing. You, you know, it's different. It's a different world. 